This morning I've been struck by just how good God is. Um, and even in our comical video that we had, um, just recognizing that Jesus um, is what he did that brought us to be where, so that we could be where God is when, when we pass on from this life. Imagine this. It's Christmas Day and you've just sat down at the dining table. You've made all the preparations for what is probably the most anticipated meal of the year. You've managed to get all the cooking time to perfection. And the food is now served up ready. Everyone, how, however many that is, is sat ready at the table. And it's wonderfully set. You close your eyes and you're giving thanks. And you know it's one of those meal where ev- meals where everyone's like, okay, yeah, yep, yeah, amen, amen, let's get stuck in. Um... And I know the next thing is that everyone pulls Christmas crackers and faffs around with hats and says jokes. But I'm trying to paint a bit of a picture. Um, So yeah, your first bite is almost here. I don't know about you, but I always like to get a bit of everything, all the best bits on there. And there it is. You take your bite and you just think, yeah, it's all right. (laughs) Seems like there's something missing. And whilst you taste, you think back to all the steps you took whilst you're cooking. You're like, oh, it tastes a bit dull. (gasps) Forgot to add salt. There's no seasoning in the meal. What a letdown. (laughs) Now, the passage that I've chosen today is not a classic Christmas passage. um, But it's what God laid on my heart for this morning. Um, And it's Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. And it says... Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, how to answer everyone. Cool. Just one verse, um, but we'll see uh, where, God, where else in Scripture God takes, it, takes us, and we'll just take it piece by piece. So the whole verse is an instruction. Um, now, I don't want to just stand here and tell you what to do. You should just do this. Um, might not seem very helpful, but the thing is, Paul, who wrote this letter to the Colossian, uh, church in Colossae, didn't want to do this, that either. Um, and we actually see that he preempts all of this um, with stuff that has happened, is a very general way of to put it. Um, I just want to review where we're up to in the, the book of Colossians up until this point. So after greeting, Paul explains in chapter 1 how he has heard about the church and he gives thanks for their faith in Jesus and that they are people who show love. Uh, He talks about how he's praying for them and in doing so he can't help but talk about what God has done. Um, He says he's praying for them that they will grow in faith and endurance and that they would give thanks. Um, And quoting verse 12, to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption in the forgiveness of sins. And Paul can say it better than I can. So we're going to continue in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. We're talking about Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him 
and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death to present you holy um, in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved by from the hope held out in the gospel. Now Paul goes on to say how it is for this gospel that he is suffering as a result of him proclaiming the good news. And he hopes that he can come, uh, hopes that the church will be encouraged to hear the message from him. And next he warns them that there are those who will lead them astray. And yet again, he affirms what God has done, explaining that through Christ, uh, the sinful nation, nature has been put off. It has been buried with Christ. And he talks about the symbolism, symbolism in baptism. Um, that they are dead to their old ways and equally are raised with Christ through faith um, in the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. This is how Paul can start the second half of his letter, which is all about how we are to live by saying, since you have been raised with Christ. And it's on that basis that, that we have these instructions. But he outlines these things which have happened, what God has done. Um, for all who put their faith in Jesus, we were alienated from God. We know there are things we do and say and think which aren't right. But the one who, in, all, who, in whom all things were created was given a physical body which dwelt the fullness of God. We can celebrate at Christmas um, this specifically, and it is a big deal, but not just for Christmas. Um, and it's not just that Jesus came, but what he achieved in his life, death and resurrection. Jesus took our sin so we could be forgiven. As, as we read in chapter 1, verse 12, we share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's relationship with God who loves us. That's eternal life. That's adoption into his family. This is what God has done. These are the reasons we follow Jesus. This is freely available to anyone who doesn't yet know him. As John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. If you're finding yourself wanting to follow him today, please um, don't waste this opportunity today. Come and have a chat with us. Um, bring yourself before God, as, even as I'm talking. Um, come and have a chat with us. It's okay to have questions, it's okay to have doubts, but we want to have that conversation um, and help you start a journey with Jesus, a journey with, of freedom, freedom from your sin. So yeah, again, Paul lays this out in his letter to remind us that it is in view of what God has done that we want to hear God's instruction for how we are to live. It reminds us that we didn't get this far by anything that we've done, but only through what Jesus did. And so I, I want to know what God says is good, for, good and the ways that I can live, to, live increasingly more for him. So let's come back to our verse. The first part, let your conversation be always full of grace. 
now I was thinking about this, it's an interesting way to start an instruction. Let, it's not just, make sure your conversation is full of grace. It's let it be full of grace. And if you look at every single translation, they all use this word, let. Um, now we've seen that in Christ, sorry, now we've seen that Christ has won our salvation. And if we come to believe in him and trust in him, that's through nothing of our own merit. But after salvation, we see that in our, we see it in ourselves and in others that there's a change that takes place. Um, with some things, it happens quickly and others more gradually. And we find our attitudes and behaviours do change. Um, and we want to live more pleasing to God. And it talks all, uh, the Bible talks about this transformation, sanctification. The process where the, through the Holy Spirit we become more like Christ. Um, and I just want, I was drawn to this passage elsewhere in the Bible, in Galatians 5.25, which says, since, by, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So reading here, let your conversation always be filled with grace. We can understand it as it's, as it, we can understand it as us keeping in step with the Spirit through our words. It is common for new Christians to be convicted over language, um, and it's something that changes quickly because um, the way that we communicate communicates what's happening within. So there's a Holy Spirit transformation. It also transforms how we speak. And when we're in step with the Spirit, um, we, can, it's let, we can let our conversation be full of grace. Um, I, th- I thought of a bit of a picture for it. Like you have a, a sink full of water, and to, to let the water out, you just pull the plug out. You can put the plug back in, and it'll stop the water flowing. But if you just let the, pull the plug out, it will let all the water flow. So if we're letting the spirit flow, then we'll see that change within us. It will be easier for us to easier for us to follow God's instruction in this verse. And the other part of this first piece is that we will always be full of grace in our conversation. Now that's quite a challenge, I think. Um, now, will we always get it right? Will we always say gracious things? I know that I don't. So. It's the it's a truth, a matter of fact of life, just that we won't get it right all the time. But when we come to God with our broken attempts to live for Him, He has the grace He has grace for us. Knowing that grace, we are equipped to persevere. In this case, speaking graciously. So that is our aspiration. So we can think about we can also think about the always part of this verse, is it applying it to each aspect of our life. And not just at church, we speak graciously, not just at home. And that could be really hard because those we're more familiar with, it's easier to argue with and be mean to. <laughs> not just, um, yeah, not with, just with our family. At school and at work. With friends that, we, that are Christians and friends that, we, that aren't Christians. With people that we don't consider friends. Though, even those that we find it hard to get on with, we should speak graciously. Dare I even say, on the football pitch. (laughs) Some of us here will know that that can be hard. And not just at Christmas or Easter, but all year round. Um, But what does it mean to have a conversation full of grace? And I think the next part helps us out with that. Seasoned with salt. It doesn't say 
dump a whole bunch of salt on it or stingily sprinkle the tiniest bit of salt. Um, Psalm 34 says, in verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. There's an amount of salt that tastes good. <laughs> um, we've tasted and seen that, the goodness of God. Um, so we can allow the others to do the same through the way that we talk to them. Um, the situation you're in will also help you discern what a f- conversation full of grace looks like. There will be cases where you are talking to someone about the grace of God. Um, and that's amazing. When we get those opportunities, we should try not to shy away from those and seek out those opportunities. However, there's also situations where that wouldn't be appropriate. For example, in the middle of work or you're trying to do a school project or something like that. Um, where sometimes it's just kindness that we need to speak, just encouragement that we need to speak, or in certain situations, forgiveness that we need to speak. Um, And that's how we can show grace through what we're saying. There's a couple of analogies here. Have you ever had a salty snack? And it would be really, really hard not to to entirely eat the whole packet We want the way that we communicate with people to show them the goodness of God so they want more. Um, And the other analogy, which is kind of similar, but when you're eating something salty, it makes you thirsty as well. So what we say, we we want it to make people thirsty for what Jesus has done for them. The way they, the way that that person is, the way that they speak, is different. Why is that? And they'll <laughs> seek out the answers. Um, if they know that you're a Christian, maybe that's going to be something that's that gives them the idea. Like maybe it's this Jesus that they follow, and they'll seek out the answers. Jesus wants people to seek Him, and we can point people to Him through the way that we speak. Another w- verse which I couldn't help but avoid. We've talked about salt making things taste good, but more in line with the context of this passage, um, salt was also a preserver of meat, mostly. Um, And in Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it become salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Um... Yeah, that could be scary if we're the salt of the earth. So if we're thinking about salt as a preservative, God wants us to preserve his message. He doesn't want us to keep it to ourselves because we're also preserving the earth by speaking it out. Um, When people come and hear the word of God, um, they can be preserved from death into life. So there's a couple of ways that we can think of it as a preservative. Um, but there's that second part of that verse there. What if it? What if we lose our saltiness? Well, we can make sure that we don't. Um, and there's many ways that we can do that practically. Being here, hearing the word of God, <laughs> um, encouraging one another being family together, pointing each other to Jesus in whatever situation we're going through. Opening the word at home, 
um, reminding ourselves of the gospel, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, every single day, relying on his strength, not our own. Praying to God, having that relationship with him. That's how we can experience his grace every day and stay salty. Not a bad attitude, but a preservative, someone who preserves the message of God through what we say and do. Now, the last piece is so that you, know, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Wow. I found that interesting to read. Wouldn't it be cool just to have all the answers to everyone's questions? Just, well, if I speak in grace, I can just know everything. I don't think it works like that. Um, sadly, not anyway. There's another version, the ESV version, that says, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. And I think that conveys more of the idea that it's the manner in which we answer everyone is what we'll, is what we'll know. Now, the context of this instruction is sort of outward-facing because Paul's saying that I'm reaching out to these people. I hope that, I'm hoping that the word, I'm praying that the word will have opportunity to be preached to more people. And so that's the context that we, that we can read it in. Um, one thing to remember is that if someone comes to us with, us with a question... It could be someone questioning our faith, or it could be anyone, like the passage says, everyone. Um, if we respond to that person, maybe someone is challenging our faith. Maybe someone's saying, oh, I don't believe the Bible is real. I, I don't believe Jesus died on the cross, or anything like that. If we respond to their, their questions, just like, yes, I answered him, and it was correct and right, and like, no, I am right. You're wrong. Then is that person going to go away feeling loved? Or is that person going to go away and go, no, I must find another argument to prove that person wrong? But if we think about the manner in which we respond, um, then that person, even if you don't have the answers to their question, you might say, oh, I'm not sure. I'll look it up for you. But if you are gracious to them, if you come alongside them and see where they've where their questions are coming from, what they've experienced. If you try and show them love in the way that you communicate, then even if their question isn't answered right there and then, um, they can go away knowing a bit of what it is to be loved by God. One thing to remember is that we're not just answering questions, but we are answering the person. Jesus sees the person. Everything he did was for each person. When we let God work in us, we ask um, and let his spirit change us. Our hearts, the way we speak, our actions, it makes it easier to see people as he sees them. And so we can respond in the way that, um, in one way or another, that points them to him. Cool. So don't forget to add salt this Christmas. It's not a Christmas passage, but we wrapped it up in a Christmassy way. Um, yeah, don't forget to add salt this Christmas by letting your conversation be full of grace. Jesus might just get a mention because it is Christmas.
um, or you can't have a conversation. Tell me what you do during Christmas. What These are opportunities for us to season the conversation. Watch and pray for these opportunities to tell someone about the grace that God has shown us by sending the Son. And beyond that, in any situation, speak graciously so that in any, if any question comes your way, you may know the manner in which you are to answer people. I just want to, something occurred to me when John was speaking last week. He said that God can call you wherever, whenever he wants, going about your every day even. And if we are in this operation of being in step with the Spirit and speaking in grace, and if we look at the wider Bible, it's not just us, our speech, it's also our actions and our hearts um, that we want to season with salt, really. If we are in the operation of doing that regularly, then it will be easier to, to know when God is calling us. We'll know that call when we see a need or we hear um, a need um, because everyone who does not know him is needy, needy of the greatest gift. Yeah, that's everything I've got to say today. But I just want to remind us that of what Paul was outlining at the start as well. That if you want to explore who Jesus is for yourself, if you want to receive his love today, if you have questions about it, then you need to come and speak to speak to the leadership team. There's elders here. Speak to someone who's brought you. You can come to speak to me as well. I might not know the answer, but hopefully I will speak graciously to you. But yeah, it's the truth that Jesus loves you. It's the truth that he came for each person. It's the truth that he died to take away your sins. It's the truth that he rose again. That you would have eternal life. Amen.